Pod Save the Queen! Hello and welcome to Pod Save the Queen. I'm Zoe Forsey, your host this week, and I'm joined, as always, by our royal editor, Russell Myers. Hi, Russell, how are you? I'm very well. Good afternoon. Have you had good afternoon? Oh, we are just about afternoon. I thought just ticked over. Just you checked that, didn't you? <laughs> well, people are currently watching the Prime Minister try and explain himself to, uh, to Parliament whilst we are going to delve into the world of royals, which is arguably far more interesting so i was going to say quite quite the contrast (laughs) of things especially because i feel like we've had a really lovely royal week this week actually haven't we it's been lots of fun stuff we've had kate's birthday and all those beautiful photos and more excitingly looking forward to so sorry not more excitingly that's terribly rude to kate and her birthday obviously that's the highlight of the week but looking forward to the jubilee plans and kind of getting a exact run by run of how the Queen is going to be celebrating her big day. Yeah, well, I mean, do you know what the most important thing is? There is a competition to design your own pudding. Let's get this straight, (laughs) straight away. Um, I mean, we we kind of knew most of the dates already. I mean, we launched again to great fanfare, so they're doing a tremendous job of PRing it. But um, we did know most of the dates, argue. I mean, obviously, we've got true, but there's the big bank holiday weekend here in the UK and that is from June the 2nd the Thursday right the way through to Sunday June the 5th and just to give you a quick quick fire recap we've obviously hopefully got trooping the colour returning to London at oh Horse I really Guard. hope so fingers crossed I mean the first time since 2019 we've seen it they did a remarkable job having it uh, at Windsor Castle for the last couple of years, but obviously a much more scaled down version of the big all singing, all dancing, 1400 parading soldiers, 200 horses, 400 musicians all coming together to uh, to parade in front of the, the Queen and the rest of the Royal family. So fingers crossed that will be kicking off the big weekend. Um, and then, You've got the Beacons of Light, which I actually, you know what, I have actually looked into this this week and I'm actually quite interested in it because the, the this whole sort of um, celebration of the Queen's Jubilee is going to be celebrated in so many weird and wonderful ways. And I think this is one of those uh, wonderful ways that you're going to have 1,500 towns and cities across the UK, but not only across the UK, Channel Islands, Isle of Man, we're also going to have the capital cities of the 53 other Commonwealth countries all lighting a beacon at the same time as Buckingham Palace to all sort of come together in unity to celebrate um, the Queen's 70 years on the throne. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Then um, racing through, we've got the service of Thanksgiving at St Paul's Cathedral on Friday, June the 3rd. Now, I have a note here saying further events announced in due course. So one would assume that that's going to be quite exciting because the rest of the schedule looks pretty cool. You've got on the Saturday, you've got the Derby at Epsom Downs, which is one of the Queen's favourite days. And she will be accompanied by the, well, by other senior members of the Royal Family. I imagine it will be a big, uh, a big old mob down at the um, Epsom Downs Derby. A big old mob? I don't, big, I don't think that's the... A big old royal mob. <laughs> the collective term for no. royals. Is well, probably... perhaps, on this <laughs> Wave, Waving their ticket stubs and screaming from you, the sidelines. Yeah. That's how I imagine them to be, yeah. So we've got a that... A pint of pins in a plastic... plastic <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Trying not to fall over the barriers. Uh, so that's on, that's on Saturday. That's all 
or during the day. And then we have the big party at the palace, the, um, you know, the big extravaganza of the week, which is going to be, um, you know, some of the world's biggest entertainment stars celebrating this, you know, the most significant and joyous moments of the Queen's seven decade reign is how it has been built. So I remember Brian May playing his guitar at the top of uh, the Buckingham Palace roof in 2012. And I imagine this will be no less spectacular. Um, And then to sort of, you know, to round off the week, we have the big Jubilee lunch, which is a fantastic opportunity for people to get out and meet their neighbours again, because we all did it when we were clapping the NHS, our fantastic uh, frontline health and care workers over here in the UK. And um, it was quite a big opportunity to everyone to get out and meet people that they hadn't spoken to or hadn't seen for, for quite a long time. So I, I think the whole thought process behind this is that everybody um, is invited to get out, to meet their, their neighbours once again, to invite people that they do know, invite people that they ha- they don't know, to get out and have a street party. And hopefully there will be thousands upon thousands of streets getting involved. And I, this week I saw friend of the Royals, Giles Brandwith, speaking on the on the one show on bbc one and he was very very excited about it if you haven't seen the clip i'm sure it's somewhere on twitter and he gave this huge sort of soliloquy about how fantastic (laughs) it will be about getting people out and about seeing your neighbors celebrating with your friends and family um and of course the duchess of cornwall is patron of the event so watch this space because i think we're going to be hearing and seeing a lot more to do with the big Jubilee lunch events across the country in the coming weeks, because we all want to be part of that celebration. And then um, last but not least, the Platinum Jubilee pageant, which is going to be featuring 10,000 people from all across the UK and the Commonwealth. And they're going to be taking part in a big, um, a big, huge ceremony and march pageant all together across the backdrop of Buckingham Palace and the surrounding streets of central London. So I'm very, very much looking forward to that. But as I mentioned at the top of the show, that is not only the thing that I'm excited about. I am very much excited about the big platinum pudding. Pudding. Now, to prepare myself for this, you know, huge event, obviously, I took the very... I think quite dedicated step of doing a online quiz to find out what kind of pudding I was so I can prepare while I'm planning my meal. So I asked lots of, you know, very technical questions, including what my favorite color was and if I preferred modern or historic art. And apparently, apparently my personality is best suited to a Christmas, no, to a birthday cake. Which I would argue, I don't think that counts as a pudding. Is it not? No, a cake is not a pudding. Is it, I'm no. sure I've heard Mary Berry say this before. Yeah, but especially a birthday cake. You can't just have a birthday cake on like a Saturday night if you. And you can't it. just. You can't just. This is this is this platinum pudding. So for anyone who has been living in a cave and hasn't uh, caught up with the platinum pudding extravagance, <laughs> everyone across the the country well probably the world i suppose is uh is being asked to create a pudding a brand new pudding that is going to be the sort of centerpiece at all the platinum jubilee lunches people are going to be sent the recipe to get involved to make the pudding quite like coronation chicken was invented when the the queen um for the queen's coronation back in 1953 but also victoria sponge so there's a bit of history there there's you know also to get in part of a history making pudding that may be enjoyed by people for decades if not hundreds of years to come so 
I don't know. There was the argument of how many new puddings can be invented because <laughs> once you once you you know once you put a bit of sugar and a bit of biscuit and oh no, I suppose yeah, cream, lots of cream, lots of sugar, some cherries maybe. I think some jam as well. That's quite like. What would your what would your kind of go to? What's your go-to pudding if you're trusted in the kitchen? I am a sticky toffee pudding man. I love to make or to eat. I wouldn't dare make it. I was going to say that's probably one of my favourites to eat, but I've never tried to make it. I I am a connoisseur of eating the pudding, not necessarily (laughs) necessarily making them. But um, I don't know. I can make a banoffee a banoffee pie. Uh, that's probably about as adventurous as I, as I okay, would Okay, so that's quite good. Yeah. Very nice. Maybe, maybe a trifle, because you can just smash some things into a, a bowl and yeah. pretend <laughs> Eating it's... Mess. Eating mess sounds like where you should be like putting, yeah. your, putting your goal. Well, you... my granny used to just say gunge, and gun, gunge with a bit of ice cream, <laughs> bit of berry gunge, and then, you're, and then you're done. So um, I don't know. But yeah, Do you let's... know who I... Sorry. Do you no, know who I say, let's, to be let's very good say... at this? Go again, go again. <laughs> Do you know who I think is going to be really good at this? Who, who I think we should sign up for this when she's not here. Anne Gripper is definitely, oh, yes. and definitely doing that. So I think, unless, Anne, if you disagree, say something now. Great. Well, there we, go. Anne, there we go. <laughs> that is Anne offering to make us all some lovely, but we could be her guinea pigs when she's trying out her different recipes, I think. So, yeah, we can sign her up for that one super stuff i think she's she will be the perfect person to create the perfect pudding so you're, you're involved yeah. Anne. and so that is and um, they are teaming up with Fortum and mason for that and anyone over the age of eight can get involved and if you want to find out more and take part uh, just go onto the royal family's website and all the details are on there under the jubilee section but looking back at the other kind of big events they've got going on obviously the diamond jubilee concert was absolutely fantastic you mentioned it before we had sir paul mccartney stevie wonder was there st tom and um, sir tom jones and um, it was a great a really big celebration wasn't it i remember was that the one and um, i might be wrong here was that the one where madness performed and they projected all the images onto the palace or was that you're a right one? i think you're right that one yeah, it was it was a really good thing. I can't wait for this one. Not so because, and I'm going to mention this as often as I can for the last next five months. In the hope you remember, that's on my birthday. Oh. As was the Diamond Jubilee one. So your birthday is the fourth, the fourth, the fourth of June. Fourth of June. Also, Lily Bet's birthday because we all oh. we share that, which is how I <laughs> remember well, that one. You you share a birthday with a royal as well because I do. I do. That we are. Oh, who's yours? Sophie Wessex. Oh, which is it's true. Yeah, I look at us. When do Dan and Anne sit on this? Oh, yeah. If, well, I will you, say are I'm... you in the gang? If, if, yeah. answers, answers on the pod, say, Instagram. <laughs> do you yeah. share a birthday with a royal? And we can uh, we can give you a, a shout out when it comes to your birthday. So I, I am. Mine is higher up the line and on the line of succession, though. So I'm well going to play that card. Well, <laughs> well done. <laughs> Not making it a competition, but yeah. Someone's, wait, I look forward to someone commenting now and saying they've got their child, share with Charles. And they or, can take, the my, take my or position on the Queen, of course. Um, but this year, one thing that this really reminded me of when the plans were coming out is I'm not sure if you remember the Gary Barlow interview on the Graham Norton show when he looked back at, because obviously he organised the 2012 celebrations and he was talking Sorry, about. Just to stop you there, did you mention Gary Barlow? Yes. He also shares a birthday with me <laughs> and Sophie Wessex. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, <laughs> uh, if we we could, if we were more intelligent, we could pretend that was scripted and we'd done that yeah. on purpose. We are not that organised. We are not that organised and stuff. Oh, brilliant! You've got quite a busy day. I'm sorry, and Buzz Aldrin as well. So it's okay. it's packed. It's packed. Oh, I don't know who else has mine. Oh, I'll stick with Lily Bat. I'm quite happy with Lily Bat. <laughs> um, anyway, so yes, Gary Barlow, also your birthday buddy. Um, so he was talking about a meeting that he had before the. Uh, 2012 concert with the Queen and he said he went into it all prepared he said he spent ages researching all the acts ready for the Queen to like fire questions at him but when he actually sat down the Queen's question was how long does it take to dismantle the stage Um, to which he replied six or seven hours and they were going to do it straight after it finished and apparently according to Gary he just replied and said so it finishes at 10 and then you're going to spend the next six hours taking it down when all my family are trying to sleep (laughs) which I love the kind of practical level of that but it does show that she's really you know is involved in some of the logistics behind it oh um, definitely definitely i mean yeah. you know, none, of, none of none of this is happening without the queen being fully across the detail and that includes pudding puddings as well <laughs> the queen is definitely uh going to be very, taking a very big interest in all of these plans where you know from right the way through from the from the lanterns from the uh the individual uh schools that are getting involved to design something for the for the pageant for obviously we've got the windsor hall show coming up in may that's going to be really really interesting and i'm sure that people uh are going to be really excited to see the queen because i don't think obviously we're going to see the Queen out and about at engagements across the UK and the Commonwealth as much as obviously a lot more of the other um, members of the royal family but the ones that you can definitely nail her on for are the Royal Windsor Hall show and the uh, Trooping the Colour and of course the uh, things like the the, the Derby Eps and Downs Um, so it's going to be really really interesting to see how it all comes together and then you know what we're only just a few weeks away from the actual day where um where she became queen february the 6th was obviously the day that her father died and um in- incredible that that's going to kick it off and what will what will be the, the you know the first engagements the first tours um, there's, there's there's certainly an awful lot to look forward to throughout the year and do you think last time Prince Charles gave a really lovely speech about his mum, didn't he? And he called her mummy and everyone was really mm. analysed that reaction where she had the look on her face. And <laughs> she didn't look overly impressed or maybe it was a bit just a kind of a taking it all in maybe. moment. Yeah, but yeah, do you think yeah. we might have something like this? that this year or perhaps something from you know William or a younger well, member of the family well I think uh, throughout the year obviously there'll be very various tributes but I would really expect the Queen to make one of these national addresses I think we've seen throughout the uh we don't get them very often but throughout the coronavirus crisis we've had a couple obviously one the, the one of the last big ones being for COP um and I think for, for such an, a, an occasion like this it will be really um quite touching and a reflection of the importance historically of this major event. So I do think we'll see her speaking. And then of course, I do think we'll see Charles make a speech, whether it's on the night of, um, of the big, uh, of the big Buckingham Palace party, who knows, but one would assume that will be part of the program for sure. Now, speaking of celebrations, we obviously had Kate's 40th this week, which we spoke about briefly in last week's episode, but we got the three new photos, which I thought were beautiful. What did you think of them? 
Well, I I mean, I was quite taken aback from them to begin with, but they've really grown on me. And, I, and then I've looked into sort of uh, Paolo Reversi's work, and I think it really fits alongside them. Um, you know, when, you, when you're looking at these images that are going to be part of the permanent collection, um, but also tour the country as well. I thought that was a really nice touch that um, not only are they going to, they, they've been chosen to be part of this new exhibition at the National Portrait Gallery, uh, which is called Coming Home. Um, they're also going to be sort of going around the country. So the three places that they're going to be throughout the year are Berkshire, obviously where Kate is from, St Andrews, which is where she met Prince William, and Anglesey, where they spent, um, you know, a lot of happy times when he was working for the air ambulance. So, um, I don't know, let's, let's take them through. So we've got the red dress, She's wearing the Queen's earrings from her, the Queen's private collection. What did you think of this picture? I mean, it's quite striking. A gown with a pocket as well, which is, which is quite... Well, this was the thing that I really <laughs> noticed. Um, because, And it reminded me of that photo we saw of the Queen with her hand in her pockets. You know, that really kind of picture of one oh, and yes. everyone got talking. Good knowledge. Good and knowledge. there was a lovely story about that there that Angela Kelly told of apparently it was a picture the Queen always wanted to do she always wanted a photo of her with her hands in her pockets because it's a bit more relaxed but the Queen's mother went absolutely not you can't do that it will give the it will give off the you know the wrong impression but Angela Kelly knew that the Queen had always wanted to pose with her hands in her pockets so when she was leading a photo shoot ahead of a book she did quite a few years ago now she said do you want to how about we use this opportunity and apparently the queen was a natural when it's it's a great picture of the queen it does still look a, it does it, it's not weird that's completely the wrong word but it does just look a bit odd because it's not how we're used to seeing her mm. and i thought it was really interesting seeing kate in that similar pose and it was almost like yeah because it was such a big deal around the queen's photo at the time if that was the kind of more relaxed side of it I think that maybe it was done by accident but it didn't feel like it was done by accident to me um, yeah, but no, yeah I think it, you're right I think you're right. And I'm a big fan. If, if gowns with pockets are going to become a thing, that's something I fully support. If if Kate can make that a fashion trend, that would be lovely. <laughs> well, I did see on Twitter people going crazy saying all gowns should come with pockets to make it yeah. easier. <laughs> so, so then on to the black and white pictures, and she's wearing Diana's pearl and diamond earrings, also an Alexander McQueen dress. Um, quite nice. I mean, again, these are still quite on me. I didn't really think that this was what we would see. It doesn't really, I, I, maybe I expected something more representing her as a, as a mum. It's quite, I mean, it's quite sort of Victorian, the one that she's sort of peering off into the distance. The other one looks really sweet, actually. Um, but no. I thought the one sort of peering off into the distance was like something like a, you've seen a Victorian textbook. But when you actually look at, look at it, it's, um, it's going to be part of the National Collection. And it... Will become it's a historical artifact already isn't it so people are going to be looking at this for decades if not hundreds of years to come so um i think all in all i thought paolo reversi did a did a very good job i just want to take you through some of what he said because he, he his praise was absolutely gushing i mean he he, he must have been had, been told to stop at some point he was going on and on <laughs> Um, taking the portrait of Her Royal Highness the Duchess of Cambridge was a true honour for me and a moment of pure joy. I was moved by her warmth and friendly welcome and enchanted by her shining eyes, 
that reflected the loveliness of her soul and her smile showing her generosity of her heart. It was a profound and rich experience for me, an unforgettable moment. I've met a wonderful person, a person who with her positive energy can bring hope to the whole world. Well, I mean, that is quite the tribute, isn't it? Um, so yeah, he didn't leave any stone on turn, but I think very, very, um, they were very pleased with the pictures. No doubt, of course, they were because they've published them and allowed them to be uh, as part of this National Gallery, National Portrait Gallery permanent exhibition. But also, interestingly, Kate was offered the chance to have um, an official portrait, like a painted portrait, and chose not to. So I think that it's probably quite a bit of a crossover, these, you know, the black and white pictures especially, uh, certainly the one of her peering off into the distance, and that crossover of, of potentially traditionally having a painted portrait that uh, these three images probably do do the trick. I think I agree. For me, it was they're just not they're not like the photos we're used to seeing of Kate. We're used to seeing very much kind of family pictures are always quite off duty, aren't they? Mm. Jeans, more casual, kind of not the traditional royal shots. And these were more traditional photos. And as you said, they didn't show her as a as a mum or even as someone doing kind of charity work or raising awareness. They showed her as a a future queen and that can't you know that can't have been a coincidence it must have been something she wanted to do and I thought they were really nice and sent a, a very different message but a really important one and as you mentioned before the black and white one that shows her looking into the distance I saw it first off and saw it was you know beautiful photo and it wasn't until I went down kind of was looking through the archives and at previous queen sitting in this position and it's really striking actually when you did one of our colleagues um did a really interesting feature on it comparing all the photos and I'll stick some of the pictures on the Instagram of um, the Queen, uh, the Queen Mother, even back to Queen Victoria sitting in this position, you know, looking to the side. And when you see them all next to each other, it's really striking. And I think that was potentially what, you know, the, the point she was trying to make. Yeah, I'll do that. I haven't seen those. That'll be really interesting. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. And it's almost, it, as a standalone photo, it's lovely. But when you sit in context of all the other images, you can't, that's when I kind of went, oh, yeah, it's it's really interesting. But no, I really like them. And a different hairstyle, kind of more more different curls, which lots of people were picking up on. But I think my favourite was the one of her looking directly to the camera, which I think is probably more in fitting with ones we've seen before. Uh, but as you said, it was just beautiful, beautiful. Well, picture. I think, yeah, it's on that point. So you've got sort of, you know, the, the, the image of a queen looking away. That would be interesting to see the, the comparing, contrasting image. You've got, you know, a princess of her, the black and white pictures staring directly at you. And then the, mod- the modern woman, I suppose, the modern girl into a woman encompassing everything future queen yeah, mother, very true. one of the red dress so um i think certainly that there were the, the three images were capturing all you know three different aspects of her personality so all things considered i think paula reversi did a, a a very very good job and um and they will stand the test of time and i think that's probably the most important aspect of, of all of them no, it was lovely. A really nice, a really nice little treat. And obviously there were messages from the Queen and Prince Charles uh, who both shared lovely photos from engagements over the years on Instagram as kind of a, pol- a public happy birthday to Kate, which were really, it was really lovely. And the photo that I always forget about was from that engagement where the Queen, Camilla and Kate went together and there's that the cake. The queen cutting the cake yeah <laughs> and <laughs> she's being offered really a nice. knife and she was then yeah. Kate, <laughs> the sword or something. yeah that was it i remember that and it was it was nice so i always like things like that because you remember 
previous events, didn't you? And some of the older engagements that Kate and the Queen did together. Now, the next thing on the list is talk. Tell me about Prince Charles talking to plants, because oh. I don't know how else to introduce that. Well, <laughs> this is—I love this story. This is fantastic. I mean, you know, Prince Charles has always been labelled a bit dotty by his uh, by his own admission. And whenever you've been to engagements and he's planting a tree, he does this thing. I think I've mentioned this before. He does this thing right at the end. And, and, and I've seen Camilla do it as well. And she's been asked, why do we do it? And she says, well, it's just what we do. And when you're doing a, plant, a tree planting, he grabs the leaf or the, or the branches of a tree or plant and he says, good luck, tree. Or have, have a good life, tree. And I've, I loved it. It's one of my favourite things about him. <laughs> it's not as good as Anne's Queen accent. Good luck, tree. Good luck. Anyway, he has been proved that he wasn't barking up the wrong tree at all. But then, sorry. Terrible. There we go. Um, but we the people, sound effect there, Dan. <laughs> we do, Dan. We do. But uh, the people behind The Green Planet, which is David Attenborough's new BBC documentary, which is coming out on Sunday on BBC One, um, Essentially, say, say, you know, the executive producer said he's going to feel pretty vindicated because it turns out he was ahead of his time. And then Sir David Attenborough says, we don't engage with plants enough. Then talk, talks about how plants can think and communicate with each other. And one of the upcoming episodes is looking at the way that British forests communicate with each other using fungi networks which connect to the roots it is absolutely fascinating and i've seen a, a, a brief clip of this and um the one of the producers says they call it the wood the wood wide web and it's like <laughs> the internet so they all the tentacles of the trees can compete and collaborate with each other and prince charles was totally right and way back in like 1986 he was he'd all he'd spoke for the first time about how he talked to plants to help them grow. And it turns out that, uh, that he was right on along. And one of the quotes that they use was from 2010. It says, I happily talk to plants and trees and listen to them. It is absolutely crucial. So Prince Charles, I mean, people have often taken the mickey out of him for his environmental credentials, talking to plants, his campaigning on the environment. And I think just now we are really beginning to realise over the last couple of years, what a sort of pioneer and trailblazer he has been. So maybe if you haven't already yet, get out and talk to your plants in the garden. Spring will be on us very, very soon, hopefully. <laughs> so you need to speak to those spring bulbs and get your garden blooming. So all for it. Well done, Prince Charles. Fantastic. Now, I'm going to say terrible here and go back a thing because I realised there's something we forgot to mention when we were oh. talking about Kate's birthday. And I'm really sorry, this is... Te terrible podcast structuring but I forgot to mention the great exclusive you had this week about a potential joint party between William and Kate yes well we all have a party you're right and so the the, the issue was essentially that um, Kate's birthday on Sunday we're still living in under coronavirus restrictions you know probably not the the dumb thing to have a big all all singing or dancing party and Kate took the decision not to have one uh you know big experiment because a big birthday 40th birthday big one so um yes i understand that the queen will probably sh throw uh prince william a birthday bash but whether kate sort of piggybacks on that or not that uh, kate and william have decided to have a joint birthday bash later on in the summer so um, that'll be something to look forward to, won't it? I mean, we've got plenty to look forward to with the Platinum Jubilee. Lots of flag waving, I imagine. Lots of street parties. 
parties and an extra special party because obviously it's the it's um the Duke of Cambridge's 40th birthday in June as well so they can combine both their birthdays and have one big uh one big extravaganza for friends and family and they've, she's she's held these big parties before, didn't she? Did did William and Harry get was it big eighteenths or twenty firsts they had? Well, now you're putting me on the spot because I should have put some notes, <laughs> but I believe it was uh, Prince Andrew's. There was you know there was big there were big birthdays for Prince Andrew's fiftieth, Princess Anne's sixtieth, uh, someone's seventieth and Prince William's 18th. And there was some big, big party that went on um, at Windsor Castle back in 2000 and... Something. Oh gosh. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, sorry, that was very mean of you, mean of me to put you on the spot there, wasn't it? But there, there, is, there is definitely a tradition of the Queen throwing big decade birthday parties. Obviously Prince William's was in 18th, which is pretty special anyway, but the Royals do like to celebrate the celebrate these big um, decade special birthday parties. So no doubt she will be wanting to uh you know to to roll out the red carpet for for, for Williams and um and Kate can join in, join in the fun. So we look forward to that in the summer. And that's going to be quite a party, isn't it? I'm, I'm, mm. would, I very much would like to be on that guest list. I don't yeah, quite I think don't, it's going to arrive in the yet. post, but what a party that will be. Now, the next big thing to discuss today is the updates in the Prince Andrew case. Now, I will admit this is the second time we've recorded this little segment because the about gosh what about 20 minutes after we chatted yesterday um, and said that we were still waiting on an update we had an update so Russell fill us in with what's happened in the last uh, 24 hours Yes, so it's been pretty busy. I mean, um, we were obviously waiting for the judge's decision. The US, uh, the New York District Judge Lewis Kaplan um, last Tuesday said that he would deliver his verdict pretty soon. And so we were waiting a week or so for, um, for his decision. And as expected, he has decided that Prince Andrew must face a civil trial in the US sometime in the autumn, it looks like. So this is a huge victory for uh, Virginia Gaffray. She has been making these allegations that Prince Andrew sexually assaulted her um, on three occasions in 2001. And she's been making these noises since um, all the way back in 2015. So it's been a seven-year battle in order to get herself heard. And it seems finally that uh, this, this, this judge has agreed with her case to bring a civil lawsuit. So what does it mean for Prince Andrew? Well, I think it's gone from bad to, um, to worse to put it mildly, certainly his team are still trying to fight um, the prospect of going to trial, which seems absolutely extraordinary, seeing as we have been through this uh, you know, rather long, long-winded civil trial, the whole case surrounding his excuses at Newsnight, this wall of silence that he's put up for the last two years. And here we find ourselves that the judge has now decided that, um, that he just needs to face this trial. I think... It, Interestingly, what he was talking about in his judgment was the fact that Prince Andrew, in this last-ditch attempt to try and dismiss this case to make sure that he didn't have to face a trial, he raised a 2009 agreement between Virginia Gaffray and Jeffrey Epstein, um, which essentially said that uh, Virginia Gaffray was paid a sum of money. We now know that was about that was five hundred thousand US dollars, and uh, part of the agreement signed between the two of them meant 
that she could not bring a further case against, in quotes, potential defendants. Now, what Judge Captain said, he said that it was too vague, that agreement. He didn't understand the the, the, the sort of um, the context of it. He said that Prince Andrew couldn't necessarily put himself in that place of being a potential defendant. I'll just read you a couple of the lines um, you know, verbatim of, of, of what his judgment said. It said, The 2009 agreement cannot be said to demonstrate clearly and unambiguously the parties intended the instrument directly, primarily, or substantially to benefit Prince Andrew. The existence of the requisite intent to benefit him or others comparable to him is, in fact, an issue that could not properly be decided on this motion, even if the defendant fell within the releasing language, which in itself is ambiguous. Thus, independent of whether the release language applies to Prince Andrew, the agreement, at a minimum, is reasonably susceptible to more than one interpretation on the equally important question of whether this defendant may invoke it. So, in layman's terms, what does that mean? It means that Prince Andrew has seemingly run out of road, and that's... He now will need to either try and reach a settlement with Virginia Guffray. I mean, for her part, she has said that she isn't in this for the money. She is um, wanting to hold the rich and powerful, such as Prince Andrew, to account. For his part, he has always denied the allegations in front of him. He has denied, uh, well, he, he said that he can't recall ever meeting her, despite that infamous photograph of the two of them together with Ghislaine Maxwell in the background taking her London house. So... My understanding is that Prince Andrew's team are still preparing a very, very last, a final, final last-ditch attempt to have this thrown out. And that centres upon something called a domicile argument. Their case is that under US federal law, uh, there cannot be two sides that are not domiciled in the US. One side um, either can or one side can either not but one of the parties needs to be a US resident. Now, of course, we know that um, despite being American, Virginia Guffray has lived in Australia since 2002. Of course, Prince Andrew is a British citizen as well. Well, when this was raised to Judge Captain beforehand, he gave it a rather short shrift and moved it on very, very swiftly, as he has done with um, with a lot of the arguments that he hasn't taken too kindly to, to from Andrew's legal team. Whether they uh, have a chance of getting this again back in front of him or through an appeal process, it remains to be seen. But I think all the legal experts are really pointing to the fact that you know, he, he really has run out of road with his arguments now. Um, whether he does actually face a trial, I, I think will be, you know, an astonishing um, and very unlikely event because when you look at the evidence, it's a fact that around 97 to 99% of these litigation cases in the United States do get settled before reaching trial. And that is what Prince Andrew will be hoping for now. However, both sides need to come to an agreement. And as I said, Virginia Guffray has said that, you know, she wants her day in court. She has become, um, you know, a poster girl for victims, that she is fighting this fight not only for herself, but for other women who have been abused, not only by Epstein, not only allegedly by Ghislaine Maxwell, but, um, you know, women who have been abused in the wider sense as well. So 
it remains to be seen. I know there were some reports today that uh, Prince Andrew is preparing to you know, settle a multi-million dollar settlement, perhaps up to sort of five, 10 million pounds. Well, again, the people I've spoken to is his camp says why that would still be an option on the table. It isn't being discussed at present. I mean, whether that is believable um, because his back is up against the wall so much now. I mean, the, the rest of the royal family will be absolutely devastated by this news because it is their absolute worst nightmare. The very fact that we've just entered a platinum jubilee year and, um, and uh, the, you know, the royal family have this hanging over them on top of Prince Andrew is a, is, is a very, very grave situation indeed. So, I mean, we've spoken before about uh, the stories that the Daily Mirror has run that Prince Andrew, obviously under pressure to get an awful lot of money now. I mean, his legal bills are are believed to be in excess of two million pounds. Any form of settlement would have, you know, again, be multi-million pounds between five and ten million. And then you're looking at, um, you know, the money that he even owed on the Swiss chalet that he's trying to sell this week anyway. So... The pressure is mounting. Um, David Boyes, Virginia Gaffray's lawyer, has said that a settlement might be on the table, which was a shift in tone in language last night, I, I noticed. I mean, he's, he's always said that Virginia Gaffray was not willing to settle. Well, you know, does money talk? I suppose it does in a lot of these civil litigation cases when we, you're talking about, you know, up to 99% of them being settled before they get into court. So, it remains to be seen. Um, I don't think we've heard yeah, by any stretch of the imagination the last of even this part of the saga. So um, I think uh, I think the, the next date was January the 14th, um, which puts us into, you know, which puts us into tomorrow, actually, um, on Friday. And that will then decide whether they can potentially launch this appeal. Maybe they'll get an extension to that appeal. I don't know. So um, very much a case of watch this space. But yes, things have gone from very, very bad to extremely horrendous for Prince Andrew right about now. So the three options that are kind of potentially could happen, correct me if I'm wrong, but will be either the the appeal was successful and it disappears, uh, there's a settlement, or we go to a full trial. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, it even gets further complicated. You're right with those three options, but I think the, the 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 other options available to Andrew are that he can face up to it. Of course, going to court, um, he can decide not to to do to do nothing, and then the most likely scenario is that the court would find um, against him. They would find in Virginia Gaffray's favour, and then what does that mean? They could then award a multi-million dollar settlement against him because it's in the civil courts. It's not a criminal trial, remember. Um, but is he duty bound uh, to to pay that money? You know, some people would say no, but then I don't think he's he's duty bound by the law because he's he's not domiciled in the U.S. So therefore, you know, what what is the reputational damage to him if he has that hanging over him? Again, uh, he may now want to settle because it's it's gone. It, they, they've tried to hold this wall of silence for so long, and it hasn't worked. I think some of the advice he's he's been given throughout this whole tawdry period will be you know questioned in uh, in the weeks months and years to come because it's uh it couldn't have gotten gone much worse for him at the moment so um uh, again they will be putting their heads together they will be trying to put this appeal together and then you have the situation of um of uh, of whether we actually see a trial you know most legal experts will say that we don't but um you know don't bet against anything at this stage i think 
So a, a huge update, as you said, um, that we'll be developing for the next few days, certainly and definitely. Well, for for goodness knows how long. Um, but we will, as always, uh, discuss this in weeks to come. Obviously, this is a really technical subject. So if any of our listeners have any questions that they would like Russell to ask, then just let us know on the socials, and we will try and figure out some of the details because it's it's very complicated. And I think it's by the sounds of it, it's only going to potentially get get more so. Yeah, it is. It's a complex legal process. I mean, even those of us who have got our, you know, been listening to the to the judges' comments, the hearings, going through with a fine tooth comb with all the sort of legal documentation as I have, it's ever changing. I think that this is a case that certainly isn't just um, a clear cut case. There are allegations that Duke has denied um, consistently. Um, and then the, the the judge has had issues with both sides, I think, from his his uh, from the from the way that they conducted themselves at certain junctures. So let's just see what happens. I mean, we'll, I think we'll have more information, of course, next week once we know about this nature of this appeal. But um, if that if that fails, then uh, then the, obviously the attention will be to to whether there is a settlement. But again, let's um, I'll, I'll, we'll be able to update you next week. Now, Sophie Wessex has been away this week, hasn't she? She has. She is in Qatar and she is working with um, the sight loss charity Orbis. And this is part of her global ambassador role for the International Agency for the Prevention of Blindness. And it wasn't necessarily announced um, ahead of schedule. So you've been seeing, I put some stuff on, on our social media and... The royal family have been tweeting and Instagramming a little bit of it. Just this week, she has been working with the International Agency for Prevention of Blindness uh, as part of their 2030 Insight campaign. And this is to highlight the scale of avoidable blindness around the world and promoting rehabilitation facilities. Um, And essentially, just to try and promote good practice, not only across the world, but to highlight the need for people to be able to um, access facilities, access medical help, should they need them wherever they are in the world. Of course, this is such a, a huge, huge problem in the developing world. And Qatar have been... Um, leading the way on this, which is why um, the Countess of Wessex has been there. She's also been meeting some Afghan women evacuees, learning more about the peacekeeping roles that they've been playing in their communities, meeting more Qatari women, talking about the leadership processes that are in place in the country. And, And so many Afghan refugees have found their way to Qatar and surrounding Middle Eastern countries. So um, she's there until tomorrow, which is Thursday in the space-time continuum. So no doubt we'll be seeing some more things over the next couple of days. But good to see Sophie kicking off the year, really. She's the first one to, to, to be getting properly back to work. I mean, I was discussing this with someone the other day, that, you know, whether all these lists come out of the hardest-working royals, and Princess Anne is normally at the top, but arguably... You know, you must have to say that people like Prince Charles, for everything that he's doing, running two farms at Sandringham and at Highgrove, you know, especially yeah, taking care of right. Windsor, uh, doing things with COP, Prince William doing things with um, COP26 and, uh, and the Earthshot Prize as well. I'm sure they are working very, very hard behind the scenes. But because we are in the lead up to February the 6th, which is um, the day when... You know, the Queen became Queen, I reckon we're going to see an awful lot more activity late January into early Feb and uh, and hopefully some special announcements of some 
big engagements and some big trips forthcoming as well. Definitely. And quickly before we move on from Sophie, uh, just a reminder that back in August, I chatted to some of the brilliant people from the Vision Foundation, uh, because obviously her work with sight loss is something that she does across lots of different platforms. Uh, So we had them as special guests on the podcast. If you haven't listened to that episode, have a scroll back through because we really focused on the work she's doing in the UK. And when she did a tandem bike ride, uh, which was brilliant, a great episode, they were very interesting to talk to. Now, Before we go today, Russell, I have to tell all our viewers, listeners, about how you've annoyed me a tad this week. (laughs) No more more than usual. (laughs) Because after last week's effort, after, you know, we we stopped recording, Russell and I always have a little bit of a chat about what's coming up when we start to plan next week's show. Um, Russ promised me a very exciting exclusive about a great project (sighs) he's been working on, which he this morning rocked up and said, no, we can't talk about, actually. I know. Teased us with it, left us hanging. I'm very sorry. I want to know what it is, and you are keeping it from me for another week. I am. I am. We've. I've been working on something very, very exciting. It's to do um, with. Oh, I don't want to say too much. But no. just, watch, just watch this. Just watch this space. Hopefully, by the end of this week, we are going to be releasing something uh, with the Daily Mirror, and it will be all across all of our platforms. It's a really exciting project that I have been working on. So just watch this space. I can't tell you more about it. <laughs> I'm very excited to hear what it is, but very annoyed because I was looking forward to finding out what it was this morning. So sorry, listeners, but you're going to have to share the frustration of being massively clickbaited by Russell because if I've got to go through it, then you can. I will share that pain. Right, Russell, thank you so much for chatting with me today. It was lovely to catch up. And to all our listeners, thank you for tuning in. As always, we are on Instagram and Twitter at Podsave. And until next time. Pod save the queen!